So, as Miko brought up a story about our kids, I'm going to start a story with about my kid. Uh, so this morning we were talking about something, and Ezra goes, "I don't know." You know, I asked him a question, and he said, "I don't know the answer." I, I'm not smart. I don't know the answer. And I said, just because you don't know the answer doesn't mean you're not smart. It means you need to be curious and go after the answer. And I feel the same way about, I thought about that after I said it. And I said, I feel the same way about speaking. Like, I, I'm not the most eloquent speaker. I, I uh, rely on these things too much. I'm trying to get better. But I don't know. It just felt like I needed to share that. That, no, you know, if you're feeling like, you know, I'm not good enough or I can't uh, do this perfectly. It doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be doing whatever you feel like you're called to do. So anyway, I'm going to pray now. Father, thank you. <laughs> thank you for always showing up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, when we, when we start from a place of gratitude, doors open up. It changes our perspective. So, Father, I pray that we can begin from a place of gratitude and a place of openness to hear your words. May what I speak be what you want me to speak. May my words be clear. And may hearts be open. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm going to be speaking about healing of generations. <laughs> which is kind of a big subject. You know, we've been talking about growth in this church since January. We've really been, you know, actually really two years ago, we started talking about growth in this church. Just been talking about preparing for the wave, preparing for more people coming, preparing for the harvest of Park Rose. Miko started with what's love got to do with it? Everything, right? I talked about showing love through forgiveness. And I feel like this is an extension of this, healing the generations within the church. So we need all the generations being willing to work together within the church for a greater good, right? We, we want people to know Jesus. Old, young, everybody, right? As Miko had mentioned, uh, Mark and Ann Tubbs, we've been connected with them for several years. I was a part of their... Um, Ann Tubbs did an intercessor prayer, 24 hours of prayer. And so I did one hour of playing and praying. And one of the words that came from that was, we were praying specifically about abiding place. This church is called to connect with others, other churches, other intercessors, other resources to create a net for the people in Park Rose. And I think that's just such a beautiful picture and calling for what, what we're to be doing right now. And then a couple days ago, as I was praying about it, I heard the words, you need to learn to work and walk together in ways that may feel uncomfortable. Trust that as you walk, I'm there with you. There is strength in numbers. There is strength in unity. There is strength where I lead. Together is where you need to be. So I want that to be kind of the backdrop for healing the generations in the church, in this church. God's ultimate plan through the Bible is to use and live through generations, you know, throughout the Bible. I believe it's something like, tw it's in the 20s, the amount of times that it says God, um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
it's said so many times. Why? To show the lineage, to show the through line. The healthy thought process of a parent or an adult is uh, to cheer on our kids, right? Like when you have, you know, maybe you're not a parent or you're in a uh, parent role, I guess. You want the children to succeed as a parent in a healthy way or as a healthy parent um, you often don't hear parents say just just sit there don't do anything don't succeed we want to put our kids on our shoulders we want them to have a better life than what we had again this is in a healthy context right we want as a parent personally I want my ceiling to be my kids floor I want them to go higher than me But kids, kids don't feel that way. Kids don't uh, often they don't receive that. They don't. Uh, youth says, "I've already got this. I already know what to do." And maybe I'm speaking more to like an older child, but <laughs> I know I'm not being super clear here. I'm going to bring you to my childhood a little bit. One of my favorite movies is Back to the Future. And that's a whole movie about generations, right? If you're not familiar, you have the parents in the 80s and the teenager in 1985, right? And he ends up going in the time machine, going back in time and seeing his parents as peers, as the same age. And before he goes back, he's like, you don't understand. You're not letting me spend time with my girlfriend. I want to go to the lake house with her. And they're, you know, you can't do that. You have homework or whatever they said. And then when he goes back in time and he sees them as peers, he's like, oh, you guys struggled with this. You said you never stayed with a boy. You actually did stay with a boy, you know, all these things. But it's that whole concept of parents just don't understand. I don't, you know, I can't relate But time often brings wisdom in this area as a child. You know, the longer I'm a parent, the more I can see where my parents were coming from when I was a kid. Is that true for anyone else? Like, the, lo the more children I have, I'm like, just do what I say. Like, you know, with Ezra, it was like, well, you need to do this, you know. You need to do this because of this and did it, you know, perhaps more explanatory, but, you know, it's like, I've told you, I've told you that, I've told you, just do it, because I said so, you know? So I can understand how my parents came to some of the conclusions they came to. I can understand more of their thought process. Doesn't mean I agree with all of them, but my view is broadened. I can understand more because of my experiences, right? I can even come to a place of appreciation for some of their decisions. I can come to a place of value and wanting to replicate some of their decisions or choices. So in the church, we have to be able to see the beauty and worth that each generation has, the voices of each generation. We have to learn to walk in genuine honor, not blanket honor. I feel like honor is kind of one of those words that's thrown out in the church. Like, oh, you got it. we have to have a culture of honor. And it's easy to, to say, Oh, yeah, I honor you. I can say, I honor you. But it's different if I'm like, Tom, I honor your, your service. 
I honor your heart that is made of gold. You know, that's different than just I honor you. And there should be a culture of I honor you, but there should also be like I honor specific things. We have to work together. That's how we heal the generations. So the older generation, you guys, most of you guys, is filled with a ton of wisdom. Like there's so much wisdom in this room. A broader worldview. You guys have lived and seen more than I have. You have knowledge from past generations, your parents, other family, generations that I don't have a touch to, I don't have a reach to, that you do. Youth is often filled <laughs> with innocence, innocent, fresh perspectives, energy, discovery, wonder, and risk-taking. And the Lord had shown me like a Venn diagram, you know, the cir- two circles and the thing in between. And I was like, what's the, what can like all people do, right? And the three words he gave me was in- innovation, curiosity, and vision. Those things don't go away. Those things are for everybody. And again, a young person can have wisdom and, you know, young, uh, you get what I'm saying. Everything can be shifted, but the, what, what I really want to pull on is that innovation, curiosity, and vision is for everybody, regardless of your age. There's value in each step, in each age group, and we can't try to skip over and ignore one because we don't deem it worthy yet or worthy anymore. there's value in each age and in each step. And we can't try to skip over it and ignore a step because we don't deem it worthy yet or worthy anymore. We need the mentality that we can learn and receive from anybody, any race, any age, any socioeconomic status. And I always go back to God used a talking ass and for, with uh, Balaam. <laughs> I, use, I, that, I try to keep that in the forefront of my mind. So Balaam's going down the road and an angel of the Lord comes. The donkey sees it. Balaam, who's riding it, doesn't. So the donkey stops because he's scared. And Balaam's like, you know, kicking him. Go, why aren't you going? And, you know, the angel of the Lord is still there. And the donkey's like, I'm not going. He ends up kicking him and telling him to go three times before the Lord used the donkey and was basically like, Do you, why are you beating me? There's an angel of the Lord here. And at that point, Balaam's eyes were opened. I love that example because you can learn from anybody. He learned from a donkey. From a donkey. I've never seen a talking donkey. I don't want to get that... Uh, Deaf that the Lord has to use a donkey on me. <laughs> when I look into the audience at, and at the body of Christ, it shouldn't all look the same age. And this is not like a diss, like, ah. But it, it shouldn't be the, the same age. There should be a variety, right? I don't think there's been active malice or anger between generations, but conversely, I feel like there's not been 
um, we haven't been actively going after those that are not us. You know, it's really easy to connect with someone that has your same values and beliefs and uh, views about the world. Like, that's super easy when, you know, you have not a yes man, but like, oh, yeah, hey, we grew up in the same area. Okay, yeah. And we believe this about that, and we believe this, and we both like this food, and yeah, hey, we line up on a lot of things. You know, that's pretty easy. And those relationships are good. I have my best friend. We're, it's, it's like that, you know? But what I'm trying to say is it's more difficult to reach out and find a through line with those that don't look like us, that don't think like us, that, you know, they like to eat <laughs> curry and you like to eat, I don't know, McDonald's. You're like, where are we going <laughs> to? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> It takes way more work and intentionality to reach out to others who don't reflect us back clearly. It takes way more work. But it's worth it. So we can't, it's difficult to put other people in our community on our shoulders and want better for them if, uh, if we don't have love. Right? That's we have to have love being our propeller, our engine, that drives all of this. It doesn't work without it. The only way it works is to be rooted in the love of Jesus. And again, we've read this, this verse a lot of times, but I'm going to read it again. Um, without love, we're but a clanging symbol in 1 Corinthians 13.1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have love, I am nothing. It's imperative that love is the bedrock to healing relationships. It's, it's imperative. We have to learn to work together to see the value and beauty of each of us. And we have to see the value and beauty on each end of the spectrum of age and everything in between. We need to see the similarities and not get stuck on the differences. Because there's a lot. We're all unique. We all have a lot of different likes, dislikes, desires. I love the quote by Joe Cox. We are far more united and have far more in common with each other than things that divide us. And that's super true. <laughs> so Miko and I, thanks to Patty, have been on a binge of what well, we're done now, but of Light and Magic. It's a show on Disney+. And uh, for anyone who is a Star Wars fan or a special effects fan, I highly recommend this documentary. It's amazing. It starts with Star Wars and how Industrial Light and Magic, the company that did all the special effects, how that all started, which is super fascinating. Um, so, you know, each episode goes starting from Star Wars on. And one of my favorite episodes was about Jurassic Park, one of my favorite films. And it was at a crux, so I believe this was probably like in 1992. And you have one building 
that's all the uh, like the practical effects, the people that do the stop motion and like build the actual physical models of the ships and all of that. And then you have an, in another building, you have the newcomers doing the CGI computer graphics. And you know, it's just at the beginning of, of computer graphics actually being used in film, right? And so there was this whole, you know, in the practical effects place, there, the one guy who was the stop motion expert did all these test, test films of the dinosaurs. And they were looking really good and, you know, he's all excited because he loves dinosaurs and he did all these films. And this other guy over in the CGI was like, I wonder if I could make a 3D model of the dinosaur. Like, it's probably not going to look good, but let me just try and see. And so, he, you know, he built it up in the computer, however they do it, <laughs> and put the skin on it and just had it, like, walking, you know, just as an example, and showed Spielberg the, uh, was he the producer, the director? And Spielberg took one look at that and was like, that's how we're doing the film. That's amazing. That looks amazing. And this guy over here that had done the stop motion was like, I'm out of a job. I've been working for 30 years doing the same thing. I have so much experience in this. I've poured, this is my life. He said in the, in the interview several times, like that kept him alive. Like he was suicidal at one point and he was like going and being focused on this. It was, it was his identity. It was everything. And in a day, it got shifted over here, right? So at that time, some people in this building said, okay, this is where we're headed. Let me go ahead and try to learn. Like, I don't know how I can be useful over here, but let me learn and see what skills I have that can help over here. And other people could not adjust. They were like, that's all I know. I guess I'm done. Together, both of the groups, once the people from over here and, and the guy that was really good with the stop motion came over and he actually like helped with the, uh, so much with the CGI, so they were able to work together. But they had to come together. The CGI people, they could get the, you know, the dinosaur in the computer, but like how to make it move, how it needs to move, they needed the experience from this guy. They needed that 30 years of experience to help and he was able to use that knowledge to help the new people. They had to work together. It, wasn't gonna, it was going to look like crap with if just one of them. If it was just a CGI, I'd be like, oh, it's really colored nicely, but it moves really awful, right? It doesn't, that type of collaboration and bridging the gap doesn't work if one group is like, I, like if the CGI people were like, I'm better than you because I know these codes and... I don't need your expertise. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Hmm. Things that can stop that kind of co-laboring of generations is as we get older, oftentimes our brain loses elasticity. It becomes more plastic, more like uh, uh, less plastic. <laughs> yeah, more rigid. It's plastic. I'm going to look it up. It's been a long time since I've been in school, but I don't know. Uh, 
<laughs> but I, again, as the longer I'm a parent, the more I can see like how I get more rigid about stuff. Like the dishes or something, you know? I want it done, or it really it's the laundry for me. Yeah, I'm like, I have a very specific way I want things folded, thank you Marie Kondo. And <laughs> I like things, you know, where they should be. And uh, that's one way that I've gotten really rigid in my thinking, right? But conversely, when one generation can learn and grow, and pass that information onto the next generation and learn and grow and pass that and this onto the next generation. And you know, you get what I'm saying? It's, it's like a link, like, you know, linked chains. <laughs> I feel like I speak in picture a lot. But anyway, that's part of a legacy. That's part of bridging the gap, you know, pulling, pulling on information and wisdom from past generations. The older generations and sometimes, you know, all generations will touch back to their family often and the culture and the, the place and time from which they came from. You know, back in my day, I walked up and down, <laughs> what, in, 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 yeah, uphill both ways and, yeah, in 12 feet of snow. <laughs> and have you ever been around someone who's telling a story that they've shared before, right, and they laugh at the same parts and, you know, you eye roll at the same parts. One of the stories in my family was my grandparents getting married. So I asked my dad about this this week to get the, get the tea. But so my grandma's family didn't approve of my grandpa and his family. They thought they were better than them. So my grandparents went off and got married and they brought an unreliable cousin as the witness who was never telling the truth because they were like, no one's going to believe him. And so uh, they got married, came back, and the cousin's like, Farrelene and Blanfield got married. And grandma, my grandma said, then this is the story that I grew up hearing, have you ever known J.E. to tell the truth? And of course the family was like, you're right. He never tells the truth. And so they, they, no one knew they got married. But, you know, so when you hear these types of stories, <laughs> You, you remember the story oftentimes, right? And you remember the, perhaps the lesson, maybe not what not to do, like, oh, maybe that's not such a great idea. You learn a little bit more about the person. I encourage you guys to do that with each other. It's so much fun to learn about our stories. But in the church and in our body, we need to learn to see those little, like, those little nuggets, those things as tools in our toolbox. When we listen to other stories, we gain a greater understanding and hold value for that person and for their experience. A couple women's groups ago, well, maybe it was like a year ago, Cheryl and I were talking at, um, at the women's like jewelry exchange, which was a lot of fun. And we, I learned so much about her and about her childhood. And her childhood is a catalyst for her compassion and care for others. That's a tool. That's powerful. That's powerful. Jeff's gift of evangelism and reaching out to people is a tool. That's a valuable tool. 
we each have something. I may not know everyone's tool here or what, you know, what your strengths are, but they're, they're all valuable. You guys are all valuable. It's another way our differences become our strength. Again, in 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. I'm going to skip down to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the Lord, or to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. It's important. We each have a role and a purpose. Again, what, what good is a body com composed of just arms? It's pretty worthless. At Abiding Place here, we're, we're called to build the church. Right now in the season, we're called to build the church. We need a lot of tools. Have you ever built anything? I'm not, I'm not a great builder, but I have a lot of, I feel like I try to be ambitious. Like last year I bought a dresser, you know, a vintage old dresser, and I was like, I'm going to sand it. I'm going I'm to uh, stain it. It's going to be great. Yeah, I started that project and then was like, oh, I don't have the right tools for this. I need something different. Okay, I have, okay, let me borrow a uh, sander. Okay, that only has one type of sandpaper. I need to go find another one or a different shape, you know? Now, to build a church is a little more, <laughs> more uh, involved than just a dresser and sanding, right? Building the church. We need a lot of tools, and we can't build it with a bunch of, Hammers. Again, what we need many types of tools, and many tools of the of um, different sizes of the same tool. And what I mean by that, sometimes we stop ourselves because we feel like a role has already been taken. So, for example, um, I will use like if if someone else were to come in and want to do worship. I can't sit here and be like, oh, well, my, 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 um, my role is being threatened. No, come on. Let's do it. Let's do it. If someone comes in and has an, like an evangelistic heart and wants to go out and walk the neighborhood, they shouldn't stop because they see Jeff. They should be like, how can we partner together? <laughs> There's no one-size-fits-all in the kingdom. God has called us to build his church. We need boots on the floor, y'all. We need you, every one of you. Hmm. We're not in competition with each other. We should be each other's biggest cheerleaders, right? Is that how healthy families are? Like, 
when a kid succeeds, gets, you know, wins a trophy, like the parent's not like, well, I, I got one when I was a kid, big whoop. Like that doesn't happen in a healthy family, right? We're going for health here. When someone wins, like we're like, yeah, you won, I win too, because when you win, I win, we win, woo. We're all in this together. It's really, we have to make ourselves available to be used. And working well with others is critical, just like love. We have to be able to see and use the value of others. And when you can't do that, trust by faith that we all have a role. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. It's not old versus new. It's a culmination of the two. It's not replacement. It's walk beside as equals, and not equals in ability, but equals in our, uh, in our worth and ability to make contributions to the body. That's how we're equal. So I want to end with some declarations. So if you guys can repeat after me. I am not too old to make a difference. I have not missed my opportunity to make a difference. I can speak life into others. I am loved so I can love. I am empowered so I can empower. More for others is more for me, too. (laughs) It's not either or, it's both and more. It's not either or, it's both. I am valuable. I choose to see my brothers and sisters as valuable. I choose to work together with those different than me. Yeah. It's going to be work, you guys. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to front. Uh, oh, um, but I really feel like that's the season that we're in, is to start being a bridge builder to the other generations. And I just encourage all of us to stay open and curious, keep that love dial all the way on. Don't shut that off. Don't let anything shut it off. Yeah, Miku, you have something? As you were sharing a a couple things, I remembered a couple things. One of them is I remember a word that this church received years ago, back towards the beginning. by Larry Moyer, who's a friend of the friend of the body, and he saw us in the city, and he saw other churches and other communities in the city all separated by fences, and he saw God take those fences and turn them into bridges and ladders, connecting all the communities. And when so when you had shared that word about a net. I remembered this word, and, and I remember Lori, uh, Larry saying, we can't let our offense 
become a fence that disconnects us. And in fact, when you said that share stories, it's share those differences. When we have stories, it's it's me sharing a different experience than you had. And when we share that, we, we you know, I love getting to know you guys. I love hearing stories. I love sharing stories. And that's the connecting. That's taking something that could divide us. We had a different experience. But now that we share it with each other and we share how we felt and we share the joys and the pain, and that creates a connection. It becomes a bridge between us. And that's a word that's been on our church for years that I think you're tapping into. Um, the other thing, Um, the other thing that, that I thought of was talking about, um, not being finished yet and, but also talking about just naturally as we age, we get more rigid, we get less elastic. We can agree on that word, right? Um, and I, I just got a picture of leather because leather has to be maintained. If you don't maintain leather, what happens? It dries up and it gets rigid and it's no longer flexible, but how do you maintain leather? You oil it, so you get balms you, and you rub it and you massage it. Um, back in the day when they had wineskins made from animals and you read in the Bible, you need a new wineskin. If you put old wine, new wine in an old wineskin, it'll burst because it can't breathe. It can't move as the, the wine off-gasses, so it'll burst. Well, there is a way to renew an old wineskin. And I've shared that before. Does anyone remember how you renew an old wineskin? You soak it in water. You massage oil into it. And you bash it against a rock. Yeah. And so it's one of those silly prayers when you say, Lord, help me, Lord, make me flexible, because you better hope you're not too rigid, because you're about to get dunked in some water, get some oil massaged in you, and bashed against a rock. But I'll tell you, the water is the word, the oil is the spirit, and the rock is Christ. Amen? Yeah. And so I would just like to open the floor. If anyone here is going, I need some word, or I need some spirit, or I need some Christ to help some rigid areas in my life. I just want to open the altar for you to come up and receive some prayer so we can agree with you to do that. And there is no one too old. And I love that. There's nobody not there yet, and there's nobody too far gone. I love that. You praying into it? <laughs> so, Father, thank you. Thank you for showing up. Father, I pray that you would show us the areas in our life that may be rigid, that may need some massaging. <laughs> Father, we're asking for your spirit right now. We pray for a softening, Father, for all the hearts, for all the minds. Father, we know that you are the truth. And we pray that you would make your truth known to us in a deeper way. Father, th I thank you for the work that you've already been doing in preparing the hearts of the people here and the people that are yet to come. Lord, I pray for all of the fences that we may have built up around us or around this church. 
that have caused people to stay out. Father, I, pr- I agree with the word with Larry that you would cause those to become bridges and ladders to reach to others, to be able to connect with others, to connect with other churches, to connect with other believers, that we can be created into a net. Father, make us usable so we can work together for a greater purpose, which is you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.